All right, now we've saved the best for last. Let's wrap all of this stuff up about Joseph here as the Savior and look at it in the typological framework. We talked last lesson, if you remember, about how Joseph was a type of Daniel. And I shared with you there's more typology and now is the time to do it. So we've seen Joseph as Savior, not just of all of Egypt and not just of all of the world coming to him for grain, but also of his family. He's a Savior of his family as well. And in that, he is a beautiful type of Jesus who is the Savior of the world, the Savior of the universe, who brings about a new creation. So it is a really beautiful thing, really saving the best for last here as a conclusion to this lecture and as well as the whole Bible study of Genesis to look at Joseph, not only as a type of Jesus, but also we're going to see Joseph. Joseph is a type of Saint Joseph, Jesus' father. But first, in a major way, Joseph is a type of Christ. And all the early church fathers have talked about this beautiful connection here. So if you look down at your notes, I've got 15 points, 15 connections for you showing how Joseph is a type of Jesus. So you can just follow along with the notes that I provided to you. Uh, and I'm just going to make the connections here. We're just going to go down the list because if you try to write this down too quickly, you won't be able to do it. Alrighty. So number one, both are the beloved son of their father. So we saw how Joseph is greatly loved by his father, jo uh, Jacob. Well, Jesus, of course, is the beloved son of God that said multiple times in the gospel. So both are the beloved son of their fathers. Two, both of them are hated and they're betrayed by their brethren. Okay, so jo uh, Joseph's brothers hated him. They're envious of him and they're jealous of him. And so they sold him into slavery. Well, the fathers have said that the Jews, the, specifically the religious leaders, were envious and jealous of Jesus. And so they betrayed him as well. Which brings us to number three. Both of them are sold. Both Joseph and Jesus are sold to foreigners. They're sold to Gentiles. So for Joseph, it would be the Midianites. For Jesus, it's the Romans. They're sold for silver coins at the price of a slave. 20 shekels for Joseph. There is such a thing as inflation, which we're all dealing with right now. Then 30 shekels for Jesus, he sold. Uh, but they're sold by a brother of the same name. Judas is the one who sells Jesus like Judah was the one who sold Joseph, okay? So both are sold to foreigners for silver coins at the price of a slave um, by a brother of the same name, Judah versus Judas, okay? I love that one, it's so interesting. Number four, both of them are stripped of their clothing, all right, stripped naked in humiliation. Next, both of them are condemned with two men. This is so fascinating, it's in your commentary. Both are in prison, by, uh, both are in prison with two men. One of them is saved, so the butler in Joseph's case, and of course the good thief in Jesus' case, but the other one is condemned. You've got the baker in Joseph's case, case and the, we call him the impenitent thief for Jesus. That one's so fascinating how both are in prison with two other men. One is saved, one is condemned. Fascinating. I love it, okay? Next, both of them are cast into a pit. So uh, the Hebrew word for pit, as we discussed, with prison or well, it's the same word. Um, so there's the pit, the, the well, or the, the prison. And then, of course, there's the tomb for Jesus. But both are raised up again. Which brings us to the next point, number seven. Both are exalted to the right hand all right, of Pharaoh versus of God, of course, to rule over the kingdom, Egypt versus heaven, after great suffering and humiliation. All right, they both go through this period of humiliation. Of course, Joseph is enslaved for 13 years. But nevertheless, you still have this really interesting parallel, how they're suffering, how they're humiliated, and yet they're exalted and lifted up to be sitting at the right hand of Pharaoh and God, respectively. Awesome. Uh, number eight, both of them are 30 years old when they, be, when they begin their quote-unquote public ministry. Joseph is 30, it says right there in the scriptures, when he was exalted to Pharaoh's right-hand man. And Luke tells us that Jesus was 30 when he began his public ministry. Love that. 
Number nine, this is awesome. I, this, they're all great. I love them all, right? <laughs> Number nine, both of them bring salvation to the world here by providing bread to all the nations. That's awesome because the whole, all the nations are coming to Joseph looking for bread. And then Jesus is going to bring salvation by providing bread as well. But it's the bread of life. It's better bread than Joseph's. It's the bread of life. It's his own body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So just as Joseph provides bread and saves them physically, Jesus will provide bread, the bread of life, in the Eucharist to save us spiritually. Great parallel there. Number 10, Joseph gives special honor to Benjamin at a banquet. In much the same way, Jesus gives special honor for John, the youngest disciple. So, of course, Benjamin is the youngest brother. John the Evangelist is the youngest disciple. And Jesus shows this honor to John at the banquet of the Last Supper. So, in that sense, Benjamin and John are connected there. Okay? Number 11, both of them forgive those who committed evil against them. Remember everything that we discussed, that beautiful theme of forgiveness in this in this whole story of Joseph, but really the theme of forgiveness for all of Genesis, Joseph forgives his brothers and says, no, you meant evil, but God made, uh, brought good out of it. Same thing with Jesus. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Beautiful. They both. This one's my personal one. In fact, some of these are some of my own insights here. But this one's kind of weak, but I still like it. I'm giving it to you anyways. But both of them are weepers. <laughs> both of them are weeping. And this is going to be important when I talk about the typology with St. Joseph. But remember, Joseph's always running out of the room weeping, right? He can't contain his emotions. And what is the shortest verse of all of Scripture? In John, Jesus wept because Jesus felt emotions. He was truly man. He had true human emotions. So I think that there's a connection there too. Not just that they weep, but that they really feel deeply, okay? I, I like that a lot. Number 13, this is a good one that the fathers point out. Joseph's bones are going to later be taken to the promised land after the Exodus. That is a foreshadowing, the fathers will say, of Jesus' ascension. Jesus, after his own Exodus, which remember at the transfiguration, Jesus is talking with Moses and Elijah about his Exodus, Luke tells us. So after Jesus' Exodus, which is the Paschal Mysteries, in the ascension, he goes up to the promised land of heaven. Okay, So Joseph goes to the promised land. That is a foreshadowing of the ascension, Jesus going to the promised land of heaven, both after an exodus event. All right, uh, number 14, all nations bow down to Joseph, just like all nations will bow down to Jesus, as Peter will say in Acts of the Apostles. And then finally, number 15 here, Pharaoh will say, if you look in chapter 41, 56, I made a big fuss about this, it's so beautiful. Jo uh, Pharaoh says to go to Joseph, right? Do everything that he tells you. Do whatever he says. That's what Pharaoh says about Joseph. And I think there's an echo there with Mary. Remember, Mary says at the wedding of Canaan, John chapter 2, to, to, uh, to the servants there, do whatever he tells you, right? There's a parallel there. I think that's really beautiful. So these are 15 points. We've done it pretty quickly here because we're at the end of our time of our lecture. But 15 points of typology, they're not coincidental. Joseph's whole story of him being betrayed, right, and him trusting in God and him being elevated and providing bread to the nations and everything that we discussed with these beautiful themes of God's providence and reconciliation and forgiveness, it's all ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. I love it. So I hope you're all with me here, okay? Now let's conclude really quickly with, in a minor way, Joseph is a type of Saint Joseph, right, the, the father of Jesus Christ. So the first couple, are, you might think, are pretty weak, but it gets us going, okay? Number one, they both have the same name. You're like, all right, they both have the same name. But number two, their fathers have the same name as well, Jacob. If you go to the genealogy that Matthew has, you're going to see that Joseph's father is Jacob, which is pretty interesting. And then number three, both receive messages in dreams. That's definitely significant. And then both, next, number four, both of them went to Egypt after two dreams, 
So they receive messages and dreams, but both of them go down to Egypt after receiving two dreams. And then next, both save their family by bringing them down to Egypt. Joseph brings the entire family of Jacob to Egypt to save them. So Joseph brings his family, the Holy Family, down to Egypt in order to escape um, Herod's wrath, right? Uh, so both of them next are virtuous and chaste and holy. You remember all the stuff that we saw with Joseph. Maybe as a 17-year-old, maybe his father's love is getting to his head and he's a bit inflated pridefully. That's a theory. I think it's very fascinating. But certainly Joseph has proved to be trusting of God and faithful and obedient and chaste. All of that is a foreshadowing of St. Joseph. Number seven, both of them are entrusted with all the affairs of their, of their master's house, okay? So Joseph in, is in charge of all of Pharaoh's house, okay? We saw all of that themes after he interpreted the dreams. But it's interesting here how Jesus submits himself to St. Joseph. St. Joseph is given the responsibility of protecting the Holy Family. And not just the Holy Family, because the church will teach that Joseph is the patron of the universal church. All right, Jesus, just as Jesus honored Joseph and gave Joseph this, this duty, right, this responsibility of protecting the Holy Family, so too in heaven does Jesus give Joseph that responsibility to protect his entire worldwide family, his church. All right, so it's a really beautiful connection here. And then finally, number eight. Now, this is a personal thought of mine. It struck me uh, one day, but I think it's really cool, and I don't think I'm, I'm too far off the mark here at all. But it's really interesting. If you go back to the point I made earlier about how Joseph was a weeper, right? He's crying all the time. If you actually count up how many times he wept, it's seven times. First, that's significant because seven's the number of the covenant, right? So Joseph is weeping because of the broken covenant between him and his brothers, but he's also weeping that this covenant is restored, right? It's the broken and the restored covenantal bonds, family bonds that Joseph has with his family. So I think that's significant in and of itself. But then if you go to St. Joseph, according to the spirituality of the church, St. Joseph traditionally had seven sorrows and seven joys, just like Mary has seven sorrows and seven joys, right? So I've listed them all here for you on your notes. The traditional spiritual uh, seven sorrows of Joseph would be the doubt of St. Joseph, or really the questioning. Doubt would probably be the wrong, the wrong word because doubt is a sin against the virtue of faith. But in any case, the questioning, the, the puzzlement of Joseph, okay? That the poverty of Jesus' birth, the circumcision, the prophecy of Simeon, the flight into Egypt, the return from Egypt, and then the loss of the child Jesus. These are the traditional seven sorrows. And I think there's a parallel there with the seven times that the patriarch Joseph weeps, all right? So there you have it, my friends. This is a great way to conclude these 14 lessons that we've spent together looking at Genesis. And I think Joseph is probably my favorite patriarch, to be honest. Uh, they're all significant, but Joseph's awesome. So I've really enjoyed spending these two, uh, these two lessons with you. And I really hope that you like this typology because it's dynamite. This is how we read scripture. Hi, I'm Dr. Nick. Thank you so much for watching this clip. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did and you want to access the entire lesson and the entire course, come visit us over at scriptureandtradition.com and join our community of students. You'll be able to access all of my courses in the audio library. Plus, you'll be able to access my live courses whenever I teach a new topic on scripture or the Catholic faith. God bless you.